Well, good morning, everyone. Am I, uh, is it me? Am I good? Well, it is always a joy to be with you um, in this setting. It's always, it's always a joy and a privilege to, to uh, share in this time with you this morning. I'm not, um, I'm like, I, I have a, a few reasons, but I don't know if I know the other reasons why. But my heart is, my heart is pretty heavy this morning, so I just want to get that out of the way. Um, I tell you that in full transparency, and so those of you that know me well, you already know that I'm an emotional person anyway, and so I'm not using that as an excuse for what I may or may not say. I'm just saying that my heart is, is pretty heavy this morning. And in fact, as we were sitting there and, and singing, um, I, I just felt, you know, the Holy Spirit was saying, it's not just you. It's not just you, Cedric. It's, it's heavy in here this morning. And so I want to take some time, just a few moments. Um, this is totally Holy Spirit-led. Just grab the person next to you or around you, behind you, um, and just, we're just going to take a few minutes and just pray, pray with each other. I don't know why I'm feeling led to do that. Um, I, and I, like I said, I know I'm not the only one with a heavy heart in here this morning. And so just who, whoever, and even if that person's not sitting next to you, the Lord may lay someone on your heart, and they may be across the room. Uh, we have the freedom to do these types of things, and so please, just walk across the room, put your arms around that person, and pray with and for them. And so we're going to take a moment to do that, and then I will come back up, and we will walk through our portion of Scripture this morning. Lord, we, uh, we're thankful for who you are, for, for this for being a part of a local body, for having a place and the ability to come and sing and worship through, through song and worship through giving and worship through, through the teaching and the preaching of your word. We're thankful that we get to, um, to share our burdens with each other, to pray with and for each other. We're thankful that we, we have the freedom to, to, uh, to say things like, thank you and help us. And we, we pray that we would never take these moments for granted. We know that there are so many broken hearts in here this morning, heavy hearts, confused hearts. We pray that we would be reminded that you are still God, that you're still king, that you have a plan, that you have a purpose, that you have a way, and most importantly, that you love us and you care for us. The Bible says that you mend the broken heart. We believe that this morning. We thank you and we love you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for doing that. Um, as Pastor Zach mentioned, we, uh, our theme for the entire year is, is abide. And our focus text for that theme is John 15. Now, we've been reading through it week in and week out. And, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, you, you, you're familiar with it, so I'm going to read it, but I'm going to paraphrase it. Jesus is walking with the disciples, and they're walking through a vineyard, and he's saying, hey, you know what? If, if you want to, it's imperative that you stay connected to me. It's imperative that you abide in me. And that abiding in Christ produces, it produces something. It produces the right type of fruit. Pastor Zach um, really <laughs> just dove into that text. We kicked our year off that way. And I really, really encourage you, if you have not a chance to listen to those messages, go back on our website and listen to those messages. Even if you have listened to them, you were here for every one of them, go back and listen to them. The beauty of going back and listening to it is you pick up little bits and pieces that you missed the first time. 
And the beauty of doing it that way is you can, pro- you can hit pause, you can hit play, you can stop, you can write a note, you can pray, you can do those things. So please take some time and do that. This morning, I want us to do something uh, a little bit simpler. I, I, again, I, I think I know why now, um, but I didn't know at the time. When I wrote this message, I felt this overwhelming sense to just keep it simple and conversational. There's not going to be a whole lot of diving into multiple portions of text. Um, I don't have any plans to give you the Greek or the Hebrew words for certain things. And even though I'm doing most of the talking, I'm going to assume or, or pretend, if you will, or imagine what it would be like if you had a response to something that I would say. And so I'm going to respond to you. If you're bold enough and you have a response, please say something to me. You know I'm okay with that. I want us to have a conversation today. I want to give you three things. These are operational things. These are things that you could walk out of here this morning and say, you know what? I can do that right now. I can do that tomorrow. I can do that on Tuesday and on Wednesday. These are practices for the abiding life. They're simple on purpose. Uh, The message is simple on purpose. The practices require uh, consistency and understanding why these things are important when we talk about living and living, living a life that says, I'm going to, to abide in Christ. This past July, my family and I, we, we went to the, there's a Blackberry Farm, I can't remember the name of it, what's it called? Yeah, the Hartzler's Blackberry Farm. We, we went, and we went to go pick, we went to go pick berries. Um, a couple of things happened during that time. One, it became very apparent to me how Wayne County I'm becoming. <laughs> because I never picked a berry in my life. <laughs> and so when my wife was like, hey, I think this will be really fun for us to go pick berries, I'm like, oh boy. She's right, this is going to be fun. And I looked at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, I don't know who you are, but we're going to go pick berries. <laughs> And so, so we went, we went, we went and picked berries, and it was fun. It was awesome. Um, the lady made the mistake of telling my son, it's okay if you eat a little as you pick. He didn't understand what a little meant. Um, so he ate a little bit more than he should have while we were picking berries. And it's interesting, I didn't know anything about the blackberries, so naturally I have all these questions. What kind of berry is it? Where does it come from? How does it grow? Why does it grow? Why do some of the berries look this way and not this way? And so the lady, you could tell, she was like, oh, we have a fellow nurse. So she walked with us. And we talked. And... I had some other questions, and as I was looking, I was actually really surprised by the range that each, that each um, plant grew at. I was surprised by that. There was times where I was picking a berry over here, and I looked at it, and I was like, wait a second, the plant for this berry is all the way over there. I was shocked by that. The other thing I was surprised by, I was surprised by the clump of the actual berry. They, some of them looked different than others. And then when you bit into it, some of them reacted differently than others. And I thought that was interesting, too. So I asked about it. And she explained to me why that was the case because of the plant and how it grows and so on and so forth. And so when we, when we, when we sat down at uh, the end of last year, we talked about what our theme was going to be. That picture was, was, res- was just resonating in my mind of what that experience was like was to walk through that vineyard and, and go through that process myself. And when you do things like that, it actually helps you to understand some scriptural things. It made sense why 
why Jesus would use this particular scenario, this particular surrounding to say, hey, this is why this is so important as you stay connected to me, because when you stay connected to me, this is a result of that. And so as I was thinking about this message, I thought of what are some of the things that can help us that if we do, that would help us to, to, live, to live the abiding life. And so I'm going to read this text, and I'm going to give you these three things. Chapter 15, verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like the branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone may lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If If you, my friends, if you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you would love one another. You've heard these things before and these things are true, but I want us to add to them. You've heard things like we need to spend more time with God. It's true. We need to spend more time reading. That's absolutely true. And praying and spending time with God. But the first thing, point number one, for us today is, in reference to like these are practices for the abiding life, the first thing we need to do is we need to, in addition to spending time with God, we need to delight in the Lord. We need to delight in the Lord. Let me paint a quick picture for you. There is something drastically different when we talk about just spending time versus delighting in that time. Spending time versus delighting in that time. In Sunday school, we spent uh, a number of weeks talking about this. And Psalm 37 is a really good text for this portion, uh, for, for this point. I'm going to read it here in a moment. But I want you to really understand the difference. This practice for the abiding life is vital. I think we have done ourselves a disservice because we think about ourselves and our practices, especially for those of us who grew up in church, we still think like children. We think like, I read my verse, I read my scripture, and I check it off the list, and that means I'm abiding in Christ. It's not true. I've tried this. 
I've tried treating my relationship with my friends and my wife that way. Look, I spent two minutes with you. I'll see you next week. That's never worked for any relationship. None. Whether that's a relationship with a person or a thing, if you're a musician, there's no way you spend three minutes a week playing and working on your craft. You'll never be a great musician. Never. And so when we talk about spending time with God, this is more than just spending a few moments and reading and praying. This is true delight. This is sitting and resting in and taking in every whiff and every savor of, of, who, of what it means to have a relationship with God. Let's read some verses. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Listen to this one. We, we know this one well. Psalm 1, 1 through 6. Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel, uh, not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Not your own law, not somebody else's law, not your opinion, but the truly delight in the law of the Lord. And his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields the fruit in its season. And his leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. True delight. So the first thing that you can leave here to do, leave and do here today, is start to, as you spend time with the Lord, delight in who God is. Delight in his law. To delight means to take except an, an extra amount of pleasure by being connected to a thing. That's what it means. Obviously, we, we, most times we use this word in the context of food because that's how, we, that's how it's been taught to us. And so if you think about something that you just like kind of like, you don't really spend much time savoring it. But if you think about the thing that you really enjoy from a food perspective, you take your time, you enjoy it. You enjoy every aspect of the dish. You know, I never understood what it meant until I became a cook myself, what it means to have a pinch of salt. I never understood what that meant. I don't know what that means. I mean, I like salt, so for me, a pinch of salt is... <laughs> That's a pinch. <laughs> That's, what it means. That's what it means to me. I mean, I don't know what it means to you, Right? But when I mean, you think about that, you think, no, you know what, that means something, that means something. Like, if you, if you really delight in something, you can actually pick up on a pinch of salt. And the only way that you can do that is if you are truly zoned in, truly, tr truly engrossed in, truly encompassed in whatever that dish is, you can pick up a pinch of salt. That's what it means to be, to delight in something. So the first thing we need to do is we need to delight in God. One of the ways that you can do this is as you spend time in the Word, focus on one thing at a time. Just one thing at a time. Just say, okay, you know what, Lord? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. Psalm 1, 1 through 6 is, Blessed the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Let me stop. Let me think. Let me pause. Let me put myself in that. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. What does that mean for me? I'm going to take my time and delight and savor and put myself in and, in and allow this portion of Scripture to encompass who I am. That is what it means to abide in Christ. That's it. That's the abiding life. That's it right there. And so when you do that, what happens is the next time you walk out of your house, 
figuratively or literally, you will recognize or realize who I should and shouldn't be walking with. Because I took the time to delight and savor this particular portion of Scripture. And I use this one a lot because it means a lot to me, and, the, and the, it's directly to me. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That is, that's a lot. That is a lot. It says, husbands, love agape your wives like Christ love agape the church. That is a tall order. And only in order for me to fully grasp it, I have to truly delight in what that portion of Scripture says. I have to delight in the fact that God sees that as important, therefore I see it as important. So in addition to just spending time with God, we need to delight in the Lord. Number two. We need to have the mind of Christ. Have the mind of Christ. One of the greatest indicators that you and we are growing in Christ is we start to think like him and sound like him. I will never forget, never forget the day that my love for my wife deepened. And she wasn't my wife at the time. But I'll tell you what happened. We were sitting, we were having a meal, and she said something, and she said it using the words and the tone with which I would have said it. And I was like, this woman's thinking like I'm thinking. I better marry her. (laughs) That's pretty awesome, right? Think about it. You know, you know if someone is really, you know your relationship is taking the next step when your spouse talks and sounds like you. I mean, the day that I'm scrolling through my, my, my daily practice of checking to see what Jordans are coming out this week, the day I was doing that on the couch, my wife was like, ah, what's those? And I was like, I mean, these are Jordan ones. And she was like, are they women's? And I was like, they actually are women's. And she knows I like women's stuff, but that's a conversation for a different day. Um, and she was like, are those women's? I was like, yeah. And she's like, can I cop those? Wait, what did you just say? <laughs> can I cop those? That's something I would say. This woman thinks like I think. She talks like I talk. So that must mean our relationship is growing. That's what that means. What did you think I do? Three days later, ding dong, she was on the step, and I was like, let's go. She's one of the homies now. <laughs> exactly, right? She's got them. She's got them. I bought them. What do you think I was going to do? Of course I was going to buy them. Right? And so why am I telling you this? Because over time, when you spend the appropriate amount of time, and you delight, and you abide, you start to think like, sound like, move like, and behave like the thing you are most connected to. That's what happens. So Jesus is saying, abide in me, stay connected to me, and have the mind that I have. You will start to think like I think. You will start to think, you will start to say what I say. You will start to say things like, you know what, instead of I pray for you, can I pray with you? That's what you will start to say. You will start to say things like, I need to say this to you in love, but the Bible says, fill in the blank. You won't run away from biblical conversations, you're going to run towards them. That's what happens when we have the mind of Christ. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2.16, for those who understood the mind of the Lord, so as to instruct them, but we have the mind of Christ. Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by teaching you may discern what, the will of God, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Another portion of Scripture says, and you've heard me say this before, it says, capture every thought and wrestle it so that what comes out is what's Christ-like. So the second thing we need to do is we need to have the mind of Christ. Now look, if you're paying attention, it's hard to have two without one. What are you going to think about if you're not delighting in God? How are you going to think about what God's thinking about if you're not connected to him? How are you going to behave like he behaves if you're not abiding in him? How is Christ-like attitude going to be in your mind and in a, a part of your process if you don't know who he is, if you don't know what he says, if you don't delight in him, if you don't focus on just a pinch of salt? We can go do this today. You can leave here and say, I'm going to be focused on who God is and take true delight in him, and I'm going to start to think like him. You know, I've said this before, and I don't say it as a joke, even though it's funny. You know, I find myself feeling like I'm the guy who used to make me roll my eyes when I was younger. You know, right? You know that, 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 that stoic gentleman who you try to have a conversation with and everything that comes out of his mouth is something Christ-like. I'm becoming that guy, and I don't say that to be prideful because sometimes it makes me uncomfortable because I still want to th- say things like, I'll cop that. <laughs> but I realize, like, hold on a second. What did, I, what did I just say? Like, where did, that, where did that come from? And I realized that that came from something that I spent time studying and delighting in two months ago, three months ago, a month ago. That's a maturing process. And even though in my flesh, because sometimes I don't feel worthy of being that person, I fight that a little bit. But when I don't fight it, it's really freeing. Don't fight it. That's what it means to grow in Christ. That's what it means when you abide. Because if you are abiding, trust me, what comes out of you is going to be Christ-like. What comes out of you is going to be Christ-like. You've heard me say this before. This is part of my mantra, so you'll hear me say it again. If you are a parent and you are parenting with a gospel focus, you can tell how gospel-centric your parenting is by the number of strained eye muscles your children have. <laughs> my son's got none right here. They're all gone because he's strained all the time, rolling his eyes, rolling his eyes, rolling his eyes, because he's like, here we go again. Here we go again. Another lesson on this. Another lesson on that. That's how I feel sometimes. That's how we know. Because what's on the inside is going to come out. So number one, we need to truly delight in the Lord. Number two, have the mind of Christ. Think like him. Move like him. Behave like him. Number three, we need to create. You're like, how is that number three? Well, let's look at what the scripture says. It says, if you abide in me, you produce fruit. Right? So when you are connected to something, and you are engrossed in something, and you are a part of something, and you are abiding in something, like you produce stuff. I told you about the Blackberry Farm. Right? I told you about that. What I thought was interesting was certain clusters of the blackberries were lighter in color than the others. And I asked why. And she said it has to do with the amount of light that that particular plant is exposed to. 
I thought it was interesting. So it says to me that that plant creates or produces a certain color of berry based on what it is exposed to. That's what she said. Oh, we can see that in, there, in, other, in other analogies and other fruits and trees and things. That's what she said. So I thought about this. We need to create. I encourage you to write this down. When we create, we show our dedication to God. When we create, we show our dedication to God. When we create, we show our dedication to God. Now look, when I say create, the word create or creativity has been hijacked and only been uh, associated with the arts, right? So when we think of creativity, we think of drawing and painting and singing and dancing and music and acting. We think of those things. That's just a section of creativity. But think about this. I want you to follow me, okay? When you abide in Christ and you delight in who he is and you have the mind of Christ and he says to you specifically, I have gifted you with the, 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 the gift of encouragement and you are creative with how you encourage for the sake of who God is, that's creativity. That's saying I am creating and that is me uh, showing thankfulness to God. I use this example, and I never thought of it this way until a couple of years ago, but I think that Jessica and I, we are creative in our parenting style. People have said to us, like, you guys do that a little bit different. And I'm like, yeah, you know why? Because we're a little bit different. The method's different, but the foundation of it is the same because we get it from Scripture. And so we have freedom to create these things. I'm going to read this verse to you. Um, Exodus 35. Uh, I'm just going to read 31 and 32, but actually write, write this down because it's interesting. Um, um, God sent two people, and this is what was said about them. He has filled him, talking about this individual, with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze. It's interesting. He says, I've gifted this person to create things because they are connected to me. And so when we leave here, some of the things you can do is you can just start to create. Be creative with what God has given you. That only will happen, you will only produce this type of fruit if you are connected to who God is. And so he says, abide in me and you will produce something. We know that there is a spiritual production, right? Which means you think different, you sound different, you behave different, you start to grow in Christ, the spiritual things. But what about the physical output of that? What about that? hey, I noticed that you dress a certain way. You're like, yeah, because God gifted me this way. Obviously within the context of modesty. Hey, I noticed you talk this way. I noticed that you, you like, I, I've, I've been to your house and your garden is immaculate. Why is this? Because I have the ability to create because of who God is. God has given you all the tools that you have to create with the, with the expectation that you will create. That's why he gave it to us. He gave it to us so that it could be an expression of our appreciation to him. That's why he gave that to us. That's why he says, I'm going to give you these things. Do something with them. That's what he's saying. The thing I love about biblical creativity, which is a really good book on this um, that I read a couple years ago. The thing I like about biblical creativity is regardless of what the thing is that comes out of your creativity, 
the posture is, it's always presented to God in a way that says, thank you that you are God. Every time. Every time. Some of the, some of the things that happens on this stage um, from the people who write VBS uh, uh, curriculum is because they are saying, you've gifted me, thank you, God. That's what happens. Some of the words that come out of some of the people's mouths and conversation, that's because God is saying, hey, you know, I've, I've given you the gifts of, of creativity. Look, I know he's probably, he didn't give me permission to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. John Gunther sitting over there in the corner. And I went and hugged John, and I told him, he has been one of the greatest encouragements to me that I've, I've ever had in my entire life. For though most of you know, John and Carrie lost their son a couple months ago. And John is a gearhead. I'm not going to tell you how many cars he owns, because that's not my position to tell you. Go ask him about it. He loves cars. And you may be like, what's this whole thing with creativity? And you may not know this, but John, along with some other gearheads, they are using their love and their creativity and rebuilding a car. And as they rebuild the car, they are having gospel conversations with Gideon's friends who were not saved, who watched him die in a car accident. And you tell me that God isn't using the gift of creativity. I mean, I don't even know what a lug nut is more, more better. Like, I don't even know where to put one. So now we're, that's not how I'm gifted. So I have these conversations with John. He's like, yeah, we're doing this. We're rebuilding that. And I'm like, dude, I'm excited for you. You got to pump the brakes. You're talking to me as if I know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. It's the gift. Of, that's him using creativity. Go ask him about it. He'll tell you about it. And you may think, like, how in the world did that get back to God? Because John in the moment said, this is how I'm gifted. This is how I'm wired. I'm going to do this thing and say, thank you, God. And God's like, okay, I'm going to use that. That is a very tangible way of seeing the fruit that happens when we abide in Christ, when we delight in him, and when we have the mind of Christ. Because the easy thing to do is just say, oh, no, I just like cars, and so I'm just going to do this, and that's the end of it. No. He's like, no, I like cars, and I could do something with this, and so I'm going to start uh, uh, an organization, if we want to call it that, that invites people in to help us restore cars. And when they ask why we do this, we got to say, because of Jesus. That's why. So three things we can do. One, you need to delight in the Lord. Two, have the mind of Christ. Three, bear fruit from a spiritual standpoint, but bear fruit from a physical standpoint. Be creative. Let the creativity come out of you. And when it does, present it to God and say, thank you, God, for what you've done in my life and given me the tools to create. Watch what God does with it. As we close, I want to, I want to give you a word of encouragement um, in reference to this whole idea of like being, being content with our relationship with God. Um, some of the last few weeks have been really convicted about what it means to be content. I know when we talk about contentment, we normally talk about it in, a, like in stuff. Like I have this, I have that, I make this amount of money, whatever the case may be. Um, but I want to challenge us to, to realize that truly abiding in God and doing these things that John 15 says and even these little small simple practices we talked about today when we get to a point where that is what our life is about, that is a really good picture of contentment. 
spending quality time with God and watching what he does with it, and you have a peace about that, that's, what, that's, that's true contentment. Um, you all know this, our world is drastically changing. Drastically changing. And one of the things that the world needs to see is they need to see people who can still have a really good quality of life by simply following God. That's it. A really good quality of life because I'm a follower of Christ. And look, I don't mean this to be harsh, but there is a great difference between being a believer and being a follower. It's kind of hard to see a believer, but it's kind of hard to unsee a follower. It's really difficult sometimes to see a believer, but man, you can't unsee a follower. True followers of Christ, they behave out of what they believe, and there's a level, there's an air of contentment because God. That's the thing that's going to change our world. So I want to challenge you to learn to be content with what you have, and what you have is a personal relationship with God. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for our time together this morning. We're thankful for the word. We're thankful for its simplicity and its complexity. We're thankful that it can be spoken to a child and it can be spoken to an adult. We pray that you would just do a great work in us. We pray that we would learn to to be content with what you have given us to stay connected to you, to truly delight in your law, delight in who you are and your word. We pray that in that, through that, we love others well. Pray that we would have the mind of you, that we would think like you, we would behave like you, we would, we would say the things that you've given us to say for your sake. We pray, we pray that we would remember that you've given us tools to create and that we should create them and that's a form of physical fruit that we can show the world that we have a relationship with you. We pray that we would be more concerned about being true followers of you, exemplifying what it means to have a belief in you and have that come out of us so that the world would be changed and so that people would come to the saving knowledge of who you are. Pretty encourage us. Pray you would give us Um, boldness, but not brashness as we go out to do your work this week. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.